Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back to another episode of the Equine in Theory podcast, and this week we are talking about why I'm not going to the Retired Racehorse Project Thoroughbred Makeover 2019. So, strap in. Let's talk about it. guys so this one's fun (laughs) um okay so if you follow me on instagram uh and you're a reader you probably saw my blog post that i put up on jeticwithery.com slash blog (laughs) it's called the most important goal and even after listening to this i recommend giving that a read because it's far more eloquent than this will ever be (laughs) um but if you also are not a reader this one is for you, because <laughs> I just put a TLDR on Instagram and was like, I'm not going. So, yeah, we're going to talk about it. It's currently 12.30 a.m., <laughs> and I am doing me, you know? The whole YouTube thing is starting to become an issue for me, and, you know, that's not what this podcast episode's about, but I'm going to talk about it for a second, because... Uh, today is Monday. Well, it's Tuesday now, but it was Monday. And uh, it's the second week in a row that I have not posted. I even filmed a video yesterday and just never got around to editing it. It had all day today, didn't do it. And I don't know what it is about YouTube, but it is just, it's very draining. And I'm likely going to start. Oh, it's so scary to say. I don't want to say it. <laughs> but. Um, as much as it breaks my heart, because I know a lot of people really enjoy the videos, um, I'm not really enjoying it anymore, and I think we're probably just gonna take some of the pressure off me, especially with my upcoming semester, it's going to be brutal, um, so I think we're just gonna back off a little bit and only post when I have content that I really want to share with you guys, and I know that sounds like I'm an artist and I only do when I'm inspired. But, uh, honestly, the content, my heart's just not in it, and, um, I think it's kind of obvious, and I don't like doing pandery videos, and that's not really fair to anyone. So, I think we're just gonna blow back a little bit, and if I get inspired, maybe I'll do two videos in one week, or whatever, and I think, um, I'll be a lot happier that way. I've just got so much on my plate right now, and YouTube is not my full-time job, so... Um, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there, um, because, you know, life has had some up and downs recently, and I'm about to talk about a big one of them, um, but I also just wanted to say that because that's been on my mind, because I'm like, I'm letting everyone down, I haven't posted, uh, so I'm very sorry, (laughs) um, but it's, it's not fair, I don't think, for me to be posting videos that I don't really care about at all and uh that that's not good content for you guys um there are plenty of other youtubers out there that are capable of doing that and are interested in that content so check them out (laughs) but um yeah so i don't know i anyway i just wanted to talk a little bit about this max situation Um, it's gonna be stream of consciousness as most of these podcasts are because i have no forethought for podcasts for some reason um but uh aside the blog posts uh which is very eloquent and you should read it because i spent like three days writing that so uh go go check that out but um 
yeah, let's let's just talk about this. So, um, obviously, if you're familiar with the RRP, it's the Retired Racehorse Project Thoroughbred Makeover. Um, it's held in Kentucky, and you have about 10 months uh, from December 1st to... I, this year it was uh, September 30th would be the day that I was leaving, which is actually my 21st birthday. Um, but you have 10 months to take an off-the-track horse that you can't ride before December 1st. And you have 10 months to train this horse for whatever discipline you are wanting to compete them in. Be it barrels, jumping, cross-country, freestyle, whatever. And... Um, I decided, like, I've wanted to do this competition for so long, so, so, so long. I have had a deep love and passion for thoroughbreds for many, many years now, ever since I started working with my first one, um, while, um, well, actually, my first one was mine, and then I started working with a true OTTB, because mine was just a thoroughbred. He never raced, but he had jockey club papers, um, so it counts, right? <laughs> um, but I started working with thoroughbreds because my last horse, Bo, had a lot of uh, soundness issues when we first got him, so um, Sunny, who's my current boss, had a lot of horses she needed you know, to have a show record so she could sell a little bit easier. So she would just give them to me and it was a win-win because I didn't have a horse to ride. So, um, yeah, I did that for a while and I absolutely just fell in love with off the tracks. And, you know, obviously I have Zoe who is an off the track. And so this competition meant a lot to me. It was something I always saw people doing and I was like, that's so cool. I want to do that and like, you know, get back to the breed and participate and raising awareness for them that they're versatile horses and blah, blah, blah. Very excited. So I wanted to do this competition for that, uh, for that reason, but also because I had just started uh, training Zoe with positive reinforcement and I was so deep in it, oh my god, and I still am, but uh, there was a lot of ignition, the key in ignition, we can't sing R. Kelly anymore, never mind, Um, anyway, so there was a lot of initial excitement about it, and I was just like, yes, let's do this, I'm gonna absorb as much information as I can, I'm gonna learn so much and get after this, and like, it's gonna be amazing, and I'll show everyone how awesome this method is, and really bring it to the equestrian world, so that people see how how awesome it is that you can work with horses in this way and you can train them physically without touching them. Um, and well, it, until you get to like riding, obviously, and then you can use tactile cues instead of pressure and release cues, but that's a whole thing that I also, surprise, am not well versed in because I'm brand new at this. <laughs> uh, so competition, I got Mac in November and was doing a bunch of groundwork with him before uh, December, which is not against the rules. And, um, I started working with Zoe at Positive Reinforcement in August, but really got into it at the beginning of, uh, September. So, pretty brand spanking new to this, right? Uh, so, started doing everything I could to learn about it, and, um, when we got Mac, he was, he just came off the trailer, and he stood in a pasture. A horse that hadn't been off the track in two years just stood there. And I know for a lot of people who listen to the podcast regularly, it's probably a little redundant. 
But um, he just stood there and he didn't move. And at first I was like, wow, this horse is going to be easy. <laughs> like, look at him. He's so chill. It's going to be so easy to just like, he's like not phased by anything. And um, if I were to make an educated guess, I would say that that was largely a product of learned helplessness, which is something that happens when um, an animal, human, what have you, I almost said animal, human, dog, <laughs> dogs are in fact animals, um, but when they are repeatedly punished or pressured or fearful or um, controlled with pain, um, they stop acting out and they just don't try to escape. They don't show outward like emotion. They're just shut down, like very, very shut down. And that was Mac. And, um, he, when we turned him out in the paddock, he just kind of like walked around. He trotted like, I think three steps. And there was another horse that we brought off, uh, brought off that track. And he bolted around the arena and was just running and galloping and saying hi to everyone and just investigating everything and was acting like a horse. <laughs> and Mac was acting like a broken down 30 year old horse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little weird. And for some reason, my brain read that as he's calm he's good. This will be great. Um, so fast forward to, uh, he's no longer being punished and being no longer being trained with negative reinforcement. Um, and just to clarify here, I'm not, uh, faulting negative reinforcement. Um, but the way it was used on him was the way that I disagree with. That was just like, and I think most people would, uh, with ear twitching and likely chains and like lip chains or nose chains and he was just very very fearful and um so he just every time you would raise your arm he would flinch or bolt if he was in a paddock and if you came near him with something like fly spray or a saddle pad or a cone or a bridle he would snort and back up to the back of his stall or bolt the opposite direction in the paddock like he was terrified of anything coming near him and um he just but since he wasn't getting punished or reprimanded for moving away um or restrained in any way because I I never worked with him like when we were having training sessions he was always at liberty um so since he now had the option to run away he was, and I would assume that being a racehorse, he did not have that option. <laughs> there was likely always someone at the end of a lead rope um, to uh, contain him. So, um, absolutely not hating on the entire racing industry here, um, but I don't think Matt came from good people, and um, especially judging by the ear twitching, which is like, if you ear twitch, don't do that. <laughs> it's very bad. I've done it before, but now seeing the ramifications of it at no, 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 no. And actually understanding why it makes horses quote unquote relax. Don't do that. Um, sorry. I'm so burpy tonight. That's really gross. Do you love that? <laughs> Cause I do. And I love that that's on there and I'm far too lazy to edit it out anyway. Um, so there were lots of issues when I would reach up to grab Max halter, he would strike out at me and, um, when I went to halter him, he would bite the halter or snap at my arm. And there were days out in this pasture, I would walk up to him and like, 
I'm not an idiot either. I'm not like swinging my arm around coming at this horse like I'm going to hit him. Like very slowly reaching up to like stroke his shoulder. Horse would strike out at me and like toss his head and bolt and kick out at me and run the opposite direction. So this is actually super common when horses are coming out of learned helplessness. Whether you train with positive reinforcement or not, if you get a horse that has been in a learned helplessness state, even if you train with negative reinforcement and you're just a thousand times lighter than what they're used to, they start to come out of their shell and you meet quote unquote the real horse and they're like, oh, you're not going to make me stay? Well, I'm going to run away before you can hurt me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we did. And so instead of doing what everyone else was doing by preparing their horses to be ridden and working on flat work and dressage patterns and teaching them leg yields and lead changes, I was trying to let this horse know that I wasn't going to hurt him by doing everything at liberty. Like, it was always his choice. Of course, I had food on me, and um, but that was only to reward and create, through classical conditioning, a positive association with my presence. And so I did a lot of just rubbing on him and touching him and then clicking and feeding just for letting him, like, for him letting me touch him. That was weird phrasing. Um, but it just, like, everything I did was trying to get this horse to understand that I wasn't going to hurt him. I taught him... Uh, to target his cheek to my hand because I could not get him to let me touch his face. Unless I was putting a halter on, which was weird. Uh, He would also try to bite the halter, but unless I was trying to put the halter on, I couldn't touch his face. And um, he just, anytime you came near him, he just raised it and he's very tall. He's like 17'1 or so. So, very tall horse. And um, so, I taught him to have control over the situation. So I hold up my hand, he puts his cheek in my hand, and then he gets a click and a treat and I remove my hand. Um, So he's in control. He's the one that's touching me. And suddenly, I have a horse that lets me rub all over his face and rub his eyeballs and up between his ears and that sort of thing. So just allowing him that little bit of choice. He was like, oh, (laughs) okay, sick. And... um, Then with the biting, if you guys go back and listen to the, um, I think it's the positive reinforcement solutions and behavioral issues episode, and I also have a YouTube video about it, Um, I taught him to target his closed, unmoving mouth to my hand because he bit me once. And I was like, so what we do in clicker training most often, um, I don't know, I, I never heard it being used in negative reinforcement, but that doesn't mean it's not, but is we teach an incompatible behavior. So if the horse's natural reaction with hands is to bite them, I need to teach him something else that's going to be more rewarding for him so that he'll choose to do that behavior instead of the one I don't like. So I would hold up my hand and he would target it. I started with a target stick and then I held up my hand and he targeted my hand and um, I would click and treat. And eventually I increased the criteria to where his mouth needs to not be moving. And this was pretty easy because if I waited a beat, he would stop chewing the treat that I had just given him to listen to see when I was gonna click. And then I would click. So he caught on to the fact that his mouth needs to be still. So he can't have his mouth completely shut and still and bite me at the same time. See what I'm saying? So I taught him how I want him to behave around my hands. And, you know, there was also a classical conditioning process with that as well, 
because um, I treat him out of my hands or reward him with the alfalfa pellets. So there was a lot of things that we had to work on. And those things did not take a week or a month. It took until now, <laughs> pretty much. And it was a long, long process, but it was necessary. This horse needed that. And I couldn't just hop on him or throw a saddle or saddle pad on him because he was scared. And yeah, I could have, and I could have just been like, deal with it, horse, like I've done to thousands of horses before, and they've all been fine. But I wanted more than fine. I didn't want him to just be like, okay, I'm a soldier. This is what I do. Um, and I didn't want him to just comply. I wanted him to want to work with me. And um, with a horse that was not fond of people and didn't know how to trust people, that took a lot more time than perhaps one that already trusted people would have. Um, so, yeah, that that was... <laughs> That, that's pretty much the biggest reason why, ew, gross, that was a, my tongue did a thing, I didn't like that, <laughs> sorry, um, but that, that's one of the main reasons that, um, we didn't meet our deadline, and I think a big part of it is I was not interested in forcing, sorry, my cats are being noisy, um, but I wasn't interested in forcing him, and, um, it's tricky to talk about this without insulting other um, methods, and I'm not trying to, um, it, because they're, they're not inherently bad, and I think that they can be done super well, but there tends to be force. And I speak from personal experience between what I did myself and with other trainers and what I was taught, and it was a very just make the horse do it, they'll understand that everything's fine, um, once they get to the other side of the jump, for example. So, um, and that's just, that wasn't what I wanted for Mac. And I think another horse probably could have handled it very well and been fine. Um, but I, I decided when I walked into this relationship with this horse and I decided I wasn't going to pressure him and I wanted to, make him trust me <laughs> and that is not those are not two words that normally go together make and trust but um I, I wanted to trust or I wanted him to trust me and I felt that forcing him and removing his choice uh would break that trust and we had a two-way relationship here and I hadn't lied to him so far everything I you know I did I I told him I'm not going to hurt you in both words and actions, and he started to believe me, and I wasn't about to compromise that. I told him that every time I click, I'm going to treat him, and so I wasn't about to compromise that. I taught him that every time I come out, um, something good is going to happen. Whether I have my treat pouch on or not, I'm going to be a good presence for him, and I didn't want to compromise that by taking any shortcuts in the training. So, here we are, <laughs> it's July, and we have less than 80 days until RRP, and finally, I sat down with Sunny, my boss, and I was like, I am so stressed out, I don't know what to do, you know, my positive reinforcement people are telling me, this is what I need to do, X, Y, Z, to get him prepared, and I agree with what they're saying and the advice and the lessons, 
but I just don't think, I don't think we're going to make the deadline, and I don't think it's going to be fair to take him, and I feel like we're just going to end up failing, and there are so many people there watching me and wanting to see what happens and see if this positive reinforcement thing really works, and it's just a lot of pressure, and especially, you know, I don't mean to, like, excuse myself too much, but, like, it's a lot of pressure to put that or to be put on somebody who has just tried to completely change the way they've been training horses their entire lives and learn an entire new method in under a year while they train a horse that method. So I just was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And if I do do it, I'm going to have to get on him now and skip all of the training and just do everything traditionally. And I don't, I don't think that there's a problem with that but I don't think it would have worked for Mac. I think it would have pushed him really hard, and maybe he can handle it, maybe he can't. I don't know, but that is a risk that I don't want to take. And I want him to be happy and confident, and I want him to continue to trust me, and I didn't want to be put into a situation where maybe he got afraid and perhaps bolted or something like that, and then I would have to resort to things that I don't want to have to. I want to start him as a riding horse that can be trusted and counted on and is dependable and is secure in himself and in his rider that nothing bad is going to happen if something bad happens that it's okay we can calm down and we'll take care of this that I would never put him in a dangerous situation intentionally (laughs) um so you know these are all values that I have really really become aware of and you know, of course I never wanted to hurt horses before or anything like that, and I'm not saying that I did most times, but I think that there definitely were times where I compromised the horse for my own gain, for going to shows when we weren't ready or moving up when we weren't ready, or, you know, just just stuff, you know, lessons, pushing too hard or this or that or asking too much of the horse, and honestly, people just don't deserve horses because, oh my god, they are such givers. But, I don't know. I just, I did not feel like it was going to be a good call to rush him like that and try to get on this horse, teach him how to jump and do flying changes and memorize this pattern, you know, so close to the competition date. And, because we would also have to go to other shows, we'd have to trailer off property and work off property and get him used to that, get him used to covered arenas, and there were just so many steps in between here and there that I would have needed to been on him to have been on him in January to be ready for. And it's it's just not enough time for the way that I want to train. And maybe another brilliant positive reinforcement trainer could have, not saying that I'm another brilliant, I'm saying another comma, more brilliant (laughs) positive reinforce or more knowledgeable positive reinforcement trainer might have been able to do it. Um, And I might have been able to do it with a a horse that wasn't so quote unquote damaged or didn't have so much baggage to bring to the table that we had to unpack and declutter, if you will. I love metaphors. (laughs) Mama loves metaphors. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I just, it it didn't feel like the right call to me and it was making me sick. And I've pretty much been sick about it since uh, April. And I was like, I just really don't feel like I can do this. And everyone was like, it'll be fine. Just do this or do that. And offering advice. And I was just like, I don't know which way to go. I'm being pulled in every direction. And 
I didn't, I just, I knew that this was not the right call for Mac and I was going to end up compromising him. And I am so, so grateful that Sunny was understanding of that. And actually she was the one that was like, we're not doing it. And I was like, but I mean, there are going to be people there that just want to see it. And I'm going to have to talk about it publicly. And everyone's going to be like, ah, I knew positive reinforcement didn't work. And I was like, there's just going to be so much ah, to deal with. And I don't, and she was like, Jill, calm down. We're not going. Decision made. We don't need to. It's fine. We're out. And I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. I'm also a Libra, so I'm like horrible at making decisions. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was just a whole nother element in and of itself. Um, but yeah, she was just like, no, I totally get where you're coming from. And I don't think we need to do that either. So we're out. And now we are. And I cannot thank everyone who has been so incredibly supportive enough for all of the amazing kind words, support, and wisdom that has been shared. I mean, the, the response, like, completely blew me away. I, this was, like, my biggest nightmare was trying to take on a challenge like this and have such an immense... <laughs> keep having to help my cats into the window seat. Um, sorry. Um, just like having such an immense audience looking at me and wanting to take on this, that's where I was saying, this immense challenge and just prove that something that I believe in so much is worth it and it is a viable method and it's just as valid as traditional training or natural horsemanship or whatever else. Are there more? I don't know, but, uh, I just, I wanted to, I had something to prove. And at the end of the day, I think I realized the only one that I really needed to prove something to was Mac. And he put his trust in me. And that's what I wanted to prove. I'm not helping you this time. You can get up there on your own. Um, <laughs> sorry, cats. Uh, but I was like, you know, this, at the end of the day, I'm so glad that I've taken this pressure off and like so many of you guys have said this is a win and I put the horse first and I made this decision in his best interest and not mine because my best interest sure as hell would have been to go to the competition <laughs> like I mean we might have failed but I would have done it <laughs> I would have gone and followed through and yeah I don't know I just that would have been for me no part of that would have been for him because he wouldn't have been ready so now I get to keep working with this horse and, um, until he gets rehomed and, um, fingers crossed it will be to a positive reinforcement home. I have some people that are interested and are willing to do that for him. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know this was a really big decision and it was scary and I am absolutely forever grateful to everyone who was so kind about it because that was the scariest part for me was that I publicized this and was like I'm gonna do this <laughs> and everyone was like okay you do that and I was like ah all of you doubting me I'll prove you wrong and um yep I was humbled mm -hmm, sure was <laughs> you can't learn an entire method in a year that doesn't work I'm sorry I mean, you could probably learn, like, origami in a year, but not horse training. It's a little more complicated than that. Can you pick up or down? Good lord. <sighs> Anybody want cats? <laughs> um, anyway. 
I don't know. I think that that is about all I have to say on the matter. It's just, I, I thank you everyone who has been so kind. And um, I just, I can't believe the progress Mac has made. It may not look the same as everyone who's going to RRP who has flying lead changes and a freestyle prepared and jump courses down and, you know, they have a polished looking show horse. Um, I don't have that, but I have a horse whose faith in humans has been restored and who looks normal now. <laughs> and we're finally at the start line. And now he has the rest of his life to be whatever he wants. And I have no doubt in my mind that he can be an awesome show horse someday if somebody does right by him and keeps up the training and really dedicates the time he needs to being um, being treated with respect. Um, and it's unfortunate that he wasn't before, but... Uh, our main priority in rehoming him and all of our other horses is that nothing like that ever happens to them. And yeah, and now that he is a sane individual <laughs> and is not quote unquote dangerous, um, thanks to treat training, if you will, who, at everyone who said treat training makes horses bite and makes them dangerous. Fun fact, it actually makes them stop biting and not dangerous if you know how to do it correctly. And if an idiot like me who is basically self-taught with the direction of wonderful mentors and books and podcasts, if I can teach myself how to do it, I think I think others can. It's it's not unattainable by any means. So I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, and I should probably stop talking, but I just wanted to, um, to tell you guys that, um, sort of in a free flow kind of stream of consciousness way. Um, so yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Go ahead and read the blog post in case I missed anything here. <laughs> um, last burp just for you. Um, yeah, if you want to learn more, about anything that I do, the horses we have for sale, um, or, um, oh my god, I'm gonna kill these animals. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, on my, my freaking website is jetequitheory.com, J-E-T-E-Q-U-I-T-H-E-O-R-Y.com. I have available horses, positive reinforcement we uh, resources if you are interested in getting started, a glossary if you have no idea what the words I've been using mean, um, and, a blog where I share interesting thoughts, <laughs> I think, maybe. And also, my Instagram is JetEquitheory, and so is my Facebook, where I share occasionally interesting articles. So, check that out. That's all I have to say. I'm going to stop talking now and probably go to bed because it's now 1 a.m. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful stall cleaning, ride, stroll with your beast, uh, car ride night, day, evening, morning, brunch, whatever you're doing. Enjoy it. Thank you for not listening to Netflix now. Even though that's a, that's that's watching, not listening. Okay, anyway, I'm done. Thank you guys. I will catch you guys next Tuesday. Goodbye.